Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. In Atlanta, one voice has stood out for over four decades. An AJC original, The Monica Pearson Show. Let's talk about how you got to ESPN. Revealing interviews. You are known as America's doctor. But I want to know who you were before that. When you have a different name, you have different color skin, it can be tough. With Atlanta's most famous faces, as you've never seen them before. I'm telling my story. This is the American dream. The Monica Pearson Show, streaming now on AJC.com. Hey, everybody. This is Doug Robertson of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution with another edition of the Southern Fried Soccer Podcast. Today's podcast is going to focus almost exclusively on Atlanta United's new designated player, Tiago Almada, who was signed on Wednesday. We spoke with club president Darren Eels, vice president Carlos Bocanegra, and manager Gonzalo Pineda on Wednesday. On Thursday, we spoke with Almada in his introductory press conference. So I'm going to have a few thoughts on that, a few sound clips from those guys, and the end of the podcast is going to be a mailbag. Uh, thanks for all of your questions. I appreciate it as always. And you can find me on Twitter at Doug Robertson AJC, on Facebook at Atlanta United News Now, on Instagram at Douglas David Robertson, and I hope you'll consider subscribing to the Atlanta Journal Constitution because as we get ready for this upcoming season. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution, my employer, has a special offer for Atlanta United supporters. If you subscribe today, you will not only get unlimited digital access to the AJC and the Sunday paper for just $2.30 a week, but we are also throwing in a special limited edition Atlanta United and Atlanta Journal-Constitution scarf. So sign up now at subscribe.ajc.com slash utdscarf. That's subscribe.ajc.com slash UTD scarf. You'll get all my coverage of Atlanta United. You'll get all of our coverage of the Braves, the Falcons, the Hawks, Georgia, Georgia Tech, your local art scene, your local news, your local politics. Anything that's going on in the city of Atlanta, the metro Atlanta area, we've got you covered better than anyone else in the region. So please, $2.30 a week. That's less than a Vente coffee. All right, so let's do some quick history on Tiago Almada. He's a 20-year-old attacking midfielder. He came to Atlanta United from Valise Sarsfeld in Argentina at a reported cost of $16 million, which would make him the most expensive signing in MLS history, a little bit more or in the range of Ezequiel Barco and the range of Pitti Martinez, both former Atlanta United signings. He's considered one of the best young players in South America, 24 goals and 11 assists and 100 appearances for Valise. So you may be asking yourself, well, if he's that good and he's that productive, why is he coming to Major League Soccer and Atlanta United? A couple of reasons, possibly. The first, in December of 2020, Almeida was a guest at a party along with some teammates in which an alleged incident happened of a sexual nature. Buenos Aires investigators did their jobs 
investigated this for more than a year. Almeida was considered a person of interest, but was never charged, was never interrogated, and the case was basically uh, excused or put to the side on February 1st by those prosecutors. So Almeida was, again, never charged, never interrogated, only considered a person of interest, I assume because of his attendance at the party. So he is not guilty. The second reason might be because the club Villiers-Harsfield has a history of when players score, they'll make a what we would consider a racially insensitive gesture for Asian Americans or, or people of Asian descent. It is to honor a past team that uh, defeated a team from Asia in like a Club World Cup or some tournament way back then. Um, Almeida apologized on Thursday for that gesture. He said he understands uh, that it's insensitive. He said he spoke with Eels, he spoke with Carlos, and that they have stressed to him that he's got to be better. Uh, Atlanta is about being better. The club is about being better. And that kind of behavior will not be tolerated. So he apologized. Uh, That was one of the first things he did at his press conference. He also said that he can't talk about the investigation because of the people involved. So there's no new details there. It was an interesting press conference. Almeida comes across very shy guy. Pineda told us on Wednesday that Almeida is a very serious guy, even though he's just 20. And that kind of came across in the interview. His answers were relatively short, uh, not very in-depth. A couple of the highlights. He said he prefers to play as an attacking midfielder. He wants to win an MLS championship. He wants to eventually go to Europe, but right now his focus is on Atlanta United. It's the same script we've heard from all the young players Atlanta United has signed. A couple of things about this signing intrigued me. One is that... Almeida must be considered a really, really special talent because Atlanta United went through a lot of due diligence along with Major League Soccer, investigating Almeida, investigating the incident, wanting to know everything about him before they would even consider signing him. And then they wanted that legal process to to play out. So as soon as the legal process played out and, and Almeida was found not guilty or innocent, depending upon your verbiage, Atlanta United exercised an option that it purchased earlier this summer for exclusive rights to Almeida to come to the club. So as soon as prosecutors tabled the investigation, found him not guilty or innocent, Atlanta United exercised the option and brought him in. So I asked Carlos Bocanegra, what makes this player so special that Atlanta United went through so much work and so much expense along with the league to vet him? Yeah, thanks, Doug. So um, we feel he's one of the top young talents in South America, and uh, we feel his his ability on the ball uh, to create and get goals, like I was saying, is is something that's really going to benefit the team. Um, obviously, Gonzalo can speak to how he's looking to implement him uh, within the group and, and where he sees him on the field. But, you know, again, we wanted to make sure the legal process played out. Uh, we did all the due diligence. And so, again, the, this is why there were so many delays uh, and, and to up until now, until where we are, and, and finally being able to to announce the player. We're going to get to that in just a few seconds. Uh, first, I wanted to know how many times uh, Carlos Bocanegra or Darren or Gonzalo got to meet with Diego Almada 
before they decided to sign him. And here's what Carlos had to say about that. We've spoken multiple times. Um, we've had a, a number of different uh, personnel from the club go down and meet with him face to face. I've been in contact with them quite regularly, just uh, through telephone and Zoom, uh, as this process was was going on, and, and we we're waiting for the process to play out. And uh, along those at that time, Doug, it was a lot of the conversations, just again about what everybody's reiterating here. You know, what's it like up here? What's the expectations? What's the culture? There's differences. So um, we've had quite a few interactions with him uh, since that that kind of option was. Um, put in place that we had the exclusivity on that, uh, we were able to to really go in depth and have um, uh, quite a bit of time with the kid. Now, despite the explanations from myself and Dirty South Soccer about the vetting process, uh, two, at least two of the Atlanta United supporter groups put out some pretty uh, long and detailed statements about the Almeida signing. Sam Jones asked Darren on Wednesday, about his thoughts about the supporters groups and their reactions to the signing. And here's what he had to say. There's obviously going to be discussions and, and views around um, around the signing here. I think we've spoken in depth about the process and the legal process. And, uh, you know, that has played out in Argentina. Uh, and as we've said, there were no, no charges. There was no interrogation. Um, the case was archived. I think uh, in terms of the goal celebration, you know, Thiago accepts that that, um, that was racially insensitive. He knows that that's um, not behaviour that is expected at our club. He knows that it's wrong. He uh, is contrite about that. But, you know, he's a he's a young player and Gonzalez spoke about um, about the importance. You know, he's coming to this club. He's got to develop on the pitch, but he's also understand and fully committed to developing off the pitch. Uh, in terms of understanding that you know America, United States is different from Argentina, the expectation at Atlanta United with our fan base is the, a higher expectation. So he's fully aware of that, and uh, you know we feel that he's a young player who, both on and on the pitch, is going to develop and become a better player and a better person. So there you go. I think that the club did pretty much all it could do before signing Almeida. You're Judgment is your judgment. Your feelings are your feelings. I'm not going to tell you what to think. But if, as, as a neutral, I'm satisfied that the club did what it was supposed to do. Probably did a little bit more than it was supposed to do. So now turning to the soccer. We asked Gonzalo Pineda how he plans on using Almeida. Now, keep in mind that he's only seen him in probably two training sessions, one or two, before he answered this question. The good thing about Thiago is that he's very flexible, right? He's a player. That's why... We were uh, very interested on in bringing him because he can play on the outside, he can play on the inside, and he's goal dangerous, really goal dangerous. I think he can be very good at serving passes into Joseph Martinez, the nines, the wingers in behind uh, when he plays in between the lines. But at the same time, he can be very good uh, playing on the flank, taking players on, and start to deliver services. The other thing that already Carlos said is that he's very good at arriving inside the box. So we think that we're going to have a lot more presence inside the box with him. So I have just to see how's his connection and see how he connects with Joseph, with Luis and the all talented players that we have around those three. And I think then we will see where is the best place for him. But I can tell you that he's flexible. Our tactics are flexible. So I think we're a perfect fit for Thiago. I think Pineda needs to trademark the phrase goal dangerous. Um, before someone else does that. I've never heard it 
said like that, but that was pretty interesting. Um, so there you go. There is kind of a brief history of Diego Almada. I don't know if you'll see him in the club's friendly on Sunday. Uh, if you do, it would probably just be a, a little cameo, a, a whistle wetter, so to speak. Um, and so now we're going to uh, get into the mailbag. This is Doug Robertson with the Southern Fried Soccer Podcast for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. The AJC's trusted veteran political voices, Greg Bluestein, Patricia Murphy, Tia Mitchell, and Bill Nygut are the essential source for Georgia politics. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution's Politically Georgia. Sign up for the newsletter, download the podcast, subscribe to the AJC. I'm Ernie Suggs. And I'm Ned Ravone. Atlanta has been known as the Black Mecca for so many years, but that means something different to everybody. It means everything to me. Every day I wake up, I learn something new. Well, you all can learn something new by subscribing to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution's new newsletter called Unapologetically ATL. It's all about the people, the events, and the entertainment happening in Metro Atlanta that Black people might want to know about. So subscribe today at www.ajc.com slash unapologetically ATL. And we're back. Now... As we get ready for the 2022 season, the Atlanta Journal-Constitution has a special offer for Atlanta United supporters. If you subscribe today, you will not only get unlimited digital access to the AJC and the Sunday paper for $2.30 a week, but we are also throwing a special limited edition Atlanta United and Atlanta Journal-Constitution scarf. So sign up now at subscribe.ajc.com slash scarf. That's subscribe.ajc.com slash utdscarf. $2.30 a week. That is less than a a venti at Starbucks. Uh, So please consider it. Not only will you get all the Atlanta United coverage, you'll get the Braves, the Falcons, Georgia, Georgia Tech, Georgia State, the Masters, your local news, your entertainment news, your lifestyle news, your economic news, all in one beautifully designed package. All right. Now, let's get into the uh, mailbag. Got a lot of great questions from y'all. I want to thank you again for sending those in. As always, you can find me on Twitter at Doug Robertson AJC, on Facebook at Atlanta United News Now, on Instagram at Douglas David Robertson. All right, the first question, doing these in reverse order of how they were sent in, is from Alex, who asks, with Tiago Almada coming in as a young DP, Ezekiel Barco on loan, and Eric Lopez's loan reportedly back on track at Banfield, doesn't that open up a normal DP slot? No, it does not. Um, so, Tiago Almada will take Ezekiel Barco's designated player slot. So, Atlanta is full there with the three Almada, Joseph Martinez, and Luis Araujo. You're, you, they only have two of the three young DP slots filled. That is uh, Santiago Sosa and Franco Ibarra, or Ibarra, are the two young DPs. So, they can fill that slot. If the Eric Lopez to Banfield move is complete, as y'all know, he went down there once already, was training with the team for a couple of weeks. The loan fell through for some reason. He came back to Atlanta. And then the great Cio Merlo reported that he was flying back to Banfield. Atlanta United has yet to confirm. Alex continues with, do you see the team bringing in another big signing? I can see them maybe adding one more player, and we're going to get into that in just a few minutes with another question. But that is the status of the team's designated players right now. Christian, friend of the podcast, has two questions. 
With the Jurgen down buyout likely and Eric Lopez's departure all but certain, how do you think the front office will fill those two spots? Do you have any names to recommend? Well, here's the issue with that, Christian. MLS roster rules allow for 30 players. Currently, Atlanta United has 32 players. That includes Jurgen Dom, and that includes Eric Lopez. Now, when Eric Lopez goes on loan, that will reduce it by one. I assume they're going to buy out Jurgen Dom. They don't have to do that until uh, February 26th, which is the day before the first game. And that will get them down to 30. Now, I'm also assuming that a couple of guys on the roster are going to go on season-long loans to uh, Atlanta United 2. I'm assuming Justin Garces might be one of those. Bryce Washington, Efren Morales might be some others. And that will open up some more roster spots. Uh, and then I still think that Atlanta United wants to get another striker. I still think they want to get one more veteran at some position, possibly center back, um, just to try to add some grit to the lineup so they don't keep dropping points like they did last year. Christian's second question is, the team has, thir- uh, I'm sorry, can Almada play on the wing at a high level or is he way too good in a central 10 role to push out wide? He is clearly a big talent. Do you think his preferred style of play fits with the key players that are here, Joseph Araujo, Marcelino, and with what Pineda wants to do on the field? Now, here's the interesting thing about the signing of Diego Almada. We learned two nights ago that the team started to pursue him last June or July, which is before Gonzalo Pineda was hired. So I guess you could say that Diego Almada is not a Pineda player, but the fact that the team continued to pursue him after Pineda was hired is an indication that Pineda likes the player, thinks he can use the player, and thinks the player is going to help the team win. So where will he play? That is the million-dollar question. I assume that he is going to play as an attacking midfielder and that Marcelino Moreno is going to play out wide on the left wing. Now, I've written about this. I've shown statistically Marcelino Moreno is much, much better as an attacking midfielder than a winger, much more productive. I'm still not convinced that Marcelino Moreno is the type of player that Pineda wants. Moreno is a head-down dribbler and not a pass-and-mover, and I think that Pineda wants pass-and-movers. I think that's why they like Tiago Almada. I think that Araujo is also a dribbler, but he is a more successful dribbler than Moreno, and he's also he can also pass-and-move. So it wouldn't surprise me if Araujo becomes the attacking midfielder and maybe Tyler Wolf gets a legitimate shot on the left wing, or Jake Mulraney becomes the attacking midfielder, and Tiago Almada becomes the left wing. It's just going to take Pineda some time to get to watch the player, to figure out how he works with his teammates, to know what will be the best use of him uh, within Pineda's preferred tactics and formation, which I think is going to be a 4-3-3. And you can read more about that when we do our season preview package, which is going to come out on the Sunday, the 28th, I think it is. I'm working on some elements for that right now. On to Chance, who says, or writes, I love listening to your thoughts on Atlanta United. Well, thank you, Chance. Your delivery is always thoughtful and concise. Thank you again. Must be the writer in you. Well, I hope it is. How will Diego Almada be different than the past talented attacking youngsters we've signed? is always signing the new shiny prospects from South America part of the problem with Atlanta's revolving door of up-and-comers? No, I, I think that Atlanta United is 
doing good things, you can't predict how a player is going to develop. Um, they've hit on a couple in terms of developing the talent and then being able to sell that player for a profit. Miguel Almiron, of course, is one bought for like six million and sold for twenty something million to Newcastle. Pitti Martinez, I don't know if he developed, but Atlanta United did get a gift from a club in Saudi Arabia. So after purchasing him for like fifteen or sixteen million, they're able to sell him for like eighteen million. So they made money. The rest, the jury's still out on some of the other players. They're, they've only been here a year. They weren't signed as DP, so the expectations aren't as high. Guys like Santiago Sosa, Eric Lopez, Franco Otabata, Mateus Uzetu. Ezekiel Barco, you know, I've covered this, I think has got to be termed overall a disappointment. Um, bought him for $15 million. If uh, he is bought by River Plate, it's only going to be for $8 million. I think Atlanta United is hoping that Barco will go down there and tear it up for River Plate. They can bring him back from his loan and sell him for a value that was closer to what they purchased him for. But I would much rather see teams spend money and take gambles on young, talented players than sit on their hands. Now, a couple of clubs have been very, very good and haven't bought the young players. Seattle, of course, comes to mind. Um, a team that doesn't splash or hasn't recently splashed a lot of cash. They did a long time ago. And that they are arguably still the model franchise in Major League Soccer. So, you know, there's there's all sorts of different ways to win. I don't think that what Atlanta United is doing is a bad decision. If you have the money and you believe in your scouting department and you believe in what you're seeing, then go for it and see what happens. Nick asks, I appreciate your coverage of the team over the years. Well, thank you, Nick. Um, I hope you're enjoying a nice coffee and biscuit from Jerry's Country Kitchen in Carrollton. Now, I haven't been to Jerry's. I usually hang out at 4 a.m. Roasters. It's right down the street from me. I think Jerry's is too. Um, but 4 a.m. Roasters is a little bit quieter. And so I'll, they have a, a, a meal that I like to get for breakfast there. I'll go there once or twice a week. Uh, to Nick's question, he's got two questions. Assuming that we're playing a back four and a front three of Joseph, Araujo, and Almada, who do you think starts in the midfield? Seems like it's crowded with Alonso, Sosa, Ibarra, Sedic, Rosetto, Hyman, Moreno. He's leaning toward Alonso in the Jeff Lorenowitz role, Sosa in the Nagby role, and Moreno at the attacking mid-spot. Uh, I think you've got it a little bit right. I think it's going to be Santiago Sosa in the defensive midfielder's role. I think it's got to be Mateus Huzetu in the Nagby role. Sosa's missed a lot of training camp. Um, Gonzalo Pineda yesterday mentioned that Huzetu is linking up well with Araujo and Joseph, which I think was kind of a giveaway as that he's going to be the starter. And I think that Almeida is going to become the attacking midfielder. The wing is the question mark. Will it be Tyler Wolf, who has played well this preseason? Will it be Marcelino Moreno? Uh, will it be a competition between the two? Will it be Jake Mulraney? Will it be Machop Chol? I think we'll get a much, much better idea in the first friendly on Sunday against Guadalajara. And then, of course, a fantastic idea when they play Birmingham in their final friendly on, uh, I think it's February 20th at 3.30. We still don't have the game times for Sunday yet. Um, I'm hoping that they'll finish before the Super Bowl starts. But if they don't, you can still find my coverage on AJC.com or on Twitter at Doug Robertson AJC. Nick's second question is, why do you think the supporters groups are coming out with such strong statements against the Almada signing instead of a more cautious optimism approach? He was cleared in Argentina 
and per eels has recognized the significance of his inappropriate goal celebration gesture. Yeah, this is a really good question, Nick. Um, I was a little bit puzzled by some of the statements that the supporters groups issued yesterday. Almada is playing in a different culture in Argentina for a different club. The goal celebration, which is racially insensitive, is unfortunately a part of that club's culture, or at least something that they do after scoring goals to honor a past team for winning a, a club World Cup. Um, obviously, it, it's a it's a gesture that shouldn't be done anywhere. Um, and I think that that has been explained to Almada, and you won't see him doing anything like that here. The other issue regarding the, the investigation by uh, Buenos Aires prosecutors, he was never questioned. He was never charged. He was only a person of interest, I think, because of his alleged um, uh, attendance at the party, not in the action itself. So, I mean, we're supposed to be considered innocent until proven guilty. It seems like he was proven not guilty, if not innocent. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's a little curious to me why some of the supporters groups have come out with what they've said and what some of the other supporters have come out with what they've said. But it's their right to say it. It's their right to feel it. And if they want to feel it and they want to express it, go ahead. Um, now, obviously, the, the player is going to be monitored closely, I got to think. He's going to be watched closely. He's, he's got to mind his P's and Q's. Um, he's only 20. He's still got a lot of, I'm sure, maturing to do emotionally, intellectually. We all do. I'm 51, and I'm still trying to learn stuff and better myself every day. So we'll see what happens and hoping for the best. You don't want to see a young talent get wasted. Matt asks, Doug, I love the podcast. I find myself looking for new episodes even deep into the offseason. Well, thanks, Matt. I miss watching the team and listening and reading your coverage. Well, I'm still writing even when they're not playing, so you can keep on looking for it, Matt. <laughs> so glad that the season opener is almost here. That'll be February 27th against Sporting Kansas City at Mercedes-Benz Stadium. Uh, Matt continues with Barco gone and Almeida official. Does BAM become MAM or MAMA? That's an acronym for the initials of, of the attack. Um, as a Southern team with Southern manners, I think MAM has merit. But as a team that has unlimited potential, I think the wordplay with MAMA is too good, as in making them cry for their MAMA. Well, I'll let y'all settle that one. Um, but in all seriousness, Matt continues, I cannot wait to see this team in action. Pineda had half of a season, and now this offseason, to put his philosophies into practice. With Hyman coming back, and with the Almeida transfer so close to the first game, how long do you think it will take for this team to mesh and hit full stride? Um, you know, it's going to take a little bit of time. It always does, particularly with a new schedule this year. They don't have Champions League, so and really they're only going to play one game a week for most of the season. So I guess you can you can say, well, it's either going to get hard to get on a roll or it's going to be easier to have a losing streak because you're going to have a week in between to train and work out the kinks and scout and, and really put game plans in. So I don't know if the team's going to hit the ground running. I don't know if any team's going to hit the ground running, but we'll see. I think the team does have a lot of potential, and we're going to get into that with the next question. Glenn says, I'm curious my level of expectation for this season. What would constitute a successful season for you, MLS Cup or bust, deep playoff run, U.S. Open Cup, 
Thanks for all your great reporting. Well, thanks, Glenn. I think this team has the talent to win an MLS Cup. I think the team has the talent to also win the U.S. Open Cup, partially because of the schedules that I was just referring a second ago. A lot is just going to depend on luck. A lot is going to depend on injuries. You, you can't get too many injuries and win trophies. It's true in most sports. And the team has to be together. It has to play together. It can't be mentally soft like it was at times last year. It can't be the defense on one end of the field and some of the offensive guys on the other end of the field and giant holes in the middle like was the case last year. And the guys have to work. When you have the ball, your teammates have to move. A lot of times last year it would get static. Um, some of that had to do with the personnel on the field. Some of that had to do with the tactics. But I think Pineda has put into place what he wants. And I think you're seeing in the, some of the preseason games, there is a lot of movement off the ball. They're trying to unbalance opponents. They're trying to make opponents make decisions. And when an opponent makes it, has to make a decision, sometimes he's going to make the wrong one. And that's when you catch him and that's when you score. So I think that's what we're going to see. On to Ben, who asks, I hope you're enjoying your coffee. Well, not right now, but I might have some in a little bit. The past few seasons, a lot of supporters have been upset with the amount of roster turnover the team has had and wanted more stability. This season, the team appears to have more roster stability and supporters are still upset. <laughs> How do you think Atlanta United stacks up to the competition in the Eastern Conference based on its current roster composition? Well, sometimes, Ben, people are just going to be mad just because it's an easy emotion, and I get it. Once the games start, people will calm down a little bit. We'll see. Uh, it's funny. People forget MLS rules. They're like, well, all these other teams are adding designated players. Why aren't we adding more big-name players? Well, because Atlanta United can't. You get 30 roster slots. You get three DPs. You get three young DPs. You can only add so many impact players. You can only have so much roster turnover. It's impossible to do what clubs in Europe do and just keep reloading, reloading, reloading. Atlanta United had one DP slot open. It's filled with one of the players considered the best in South America. Pretty good get. They've got a, another young DP slot open. We'll see what happens. i got to imagine they're going to fill it sooner rather than later. They were able to go out and get Ozzy Alonso, one of the most respected veterans in MLS history, a guy who's never missed the playoffs. They signed a couple of good homegrown players in Garces and Caleb Wiley. I think the team has made good moves. It sold a young, talented fullback, George Bello, to Armenia Belfield. You know, I think the club has made smart moves this offseason. Now, how does it stack up to those in the East? The East is going to be very, very tough this year. Philadelphia is going to be very good. New England is going to be very, very good. Nashville is in the West. We don't have to worry about them. Orlando has tried to reload. We'll see how their young DPs do. Miami's going to be a mess. Charlotte is going to be a mess. Cincinnati, not sure about. Toronto, new coach, has added a couple of big-name players. They're going to be tough. D.C. came on really well last year, barely missed the playoffs, but another season. We'll see what happens with them. Montreal is kind of a wild card. Chicago is going out and spending some money, signed uh, the rectangles, Jordan Shakiri the other day. The East is going to be tough. I think, if, I think it's going to be more top-heavy than bottom-heavy, and so we'll see what happens with Atlanta United, but it's going to be a fun, fun season, I think. Rob says, I know you have been a bit of a naysayer when it comes to bringing players back. Although two in five years, Anton Walks and Mikey Ambrose is a lot in his opinion. But Rob is curious to know, of all the players to leave Atlanta, who could be the top 10 Atlanta United alum Doug would love to see back in the five stripes? Forget contracts and salary caps and likelihood for a moment. Just for sheer love of the player 
and how they could help this team. Who would you choose? Now, his top 10, Eric Rometty, LGP, Tito Viaba, Jeff Lernowitz, Emil Assad, Carlos Carmona, Michael Parkhurst, Julian Gressel, Darlington Nabby, and Miguel Almiron in number one. So I would agree with your top four, I think. I might put Tito Viaba as third, and then Gressel, and then Parkhurst, and then Lorenowitz, and then Assad, then LGP. And then I don't know. The next part is good. Uh, I wouldn't bring back Pitti. I don't think I'd bring back Barco. You know what they what they have. You know what they bring to you. Probably Alec Cant, backup goalkeeper for Guzan. Those are invaluable, you know. And, you know, this may sound odd, but I would love to have seen what Andrew Carlton would have developed into had he not acted like a knucklehead so many times. Um, since this is just kind of pie in the sky, he would probably be my 10th. Last question, and I want to thank you all again. Sean asks, how do you see Almada fitting in? I hope more counterattacks. How do you see Moreno and Heinemann fitting in? Yeah, Heinemann is still a wild card. He, re- he rejoined the team uh, as a full participant in training last week after tearing his ACL uh, after the seventh game last season in, in training, a non-contact training injury. I like Heinemann. I think he fits in with what Pineda wants to do better than Moreno does. But now you've got Almeida. Um, neither Moreno nor Hyman are particularly sprint fast. Um, I, I, you know, If he decides to play Almeida on the wing, I could see Hyman starting as an attacking midfielder because he is a pass-and-move type guy, and he gets in good positions in the final third. Um, and that was another thing that the team was missing last year. So I appreciate all the questions. We'll have another podcast next week. I don't know what day yet. Uh, probably wrapping up the two Sunday friendlies against uh, Guadalajara and the other team that I'm not going to attempt to pronounce because I'll butcher it. This is Doug Robertson of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. As always, you can find me on Twitter at Doug Robertson AJC, on Facebook at Atlanta United News Now. And one more time with our promo. You can get unlimited digital access to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution and the Sunday paper for $2.30 a week. And we're also throwing in a special limited edition scarf featuring Atlanta United and the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. All you have to do is go to subscribe.ajc.com slash utdscarf. That's subscribe.ajc.com slash utdscarf. All right, this is Southern Fried Soccer. I appreciate y'all's questions. Have a good day.